So grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, turn to uh, Colossians chapter number four, Colossians chapter number four. And we're going to try to finish up uh, this chapter in this book. This is going to wrap up the book of Colossians and uh, it's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little different. Usually uh, as we're going verse by verse, we're looking at Bible doctrine and, and, and different uh, teachings in that way, uh, theology, if you will. But this is going to be uh, kind of an introduction to the unknown. You're going to you're going to uh, hear about people. It's all about people tonight. Uh, the people that was in the Apostle Paul's life, those who assisted the Apostle Paul, uh, many of them, I, if I was a gambling man, I'd be willing to bet you've probably never, ever heard of their names. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much we hear the name Paul and we hear the name Peter. And, and these are big characters in the Bible. But if it wasn't for the people that we're going to talk to about tonight, Paul couldn't do what he did. And there's going to be many times that people behind the scenes are going to be so instrumental in seeing the work of God go forward. And here's what I want everybody to know, because because most of us in here are going to qualify there. Uh, everybody, everybody in the world may not know about you or may not hear about what you do for God, but God does. And God sees it all and God is recording and, uh, God is, uh, uh, we, we used to sing a song when I was a kid, God keeps a record. Amen. And, uh, whether, whether the world sees it down here or our neighbors see it, God sees it. Amen. Let's look in, in Colossians chapter number four and verse number seven, verse number seven. Now I've practiced these names, uh, about half the afternoon. I looked them up to make sure I didn't uh, 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 mispronounce these so you can take my word for it. It's not going to sound like it, but I, I got it. I got it. All my state shall tickicus like a wood tick or a tick on a red bone hound. Say amen. Say it with me. Tickicus. Say it again. Tickicus. I know it don't sound right, but that's it. Amen. All my state shall tickicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. Touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record <clears throat> that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus in the church which is in his house. And when this epistle was read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, and what? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray and we'll get started tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful for your uh, your love and your mercy. And Lord, we, we are thankful for the testimonies that we are receiving of people who are fired up about sharing their faith, who have been uh, witnessing throughout this week and sharing their story, inviting people to church, inviting people to Christ. Lord, I pray that it'll continue. I pray that this will be just a small spark of a great flame. Lord, that will build to a roaring fire of evangelism that we can sweep through our city, our state, and our country. I pray that your perfect will be done. We love you with all of our heart. Lord, there is so much that we can see here in these verses. And I pray that you'll help me deliver it. Help me to share 
what you've shared with me. I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything that I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything that I should. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you and give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I don't think, I don't think in the way, in the style that this is going to go. Usually I'll have notes and, and uh, we'll have a point and preach it a little bit. And, uh, but it, there's, it, there's really not a whole lot of preaching in this. It's, it's more teaching and information. There's a lot of learning that we can learn by the examples that we're going to see with these people, but not a whole lot of preaching. So uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get done very fast or very slow or, or not at all. So there's no telling what might happen. So you might get out early and you might not. So basically you don't know anything more than what you knew when you came. (laughs) I'm just trying to, you know, put a little, put a little, you know, just a little thing out there in case we get out of here early. All right. But, but my father always told me, he said, son, nobody ever complained about too short a sermon. Don't ever forget that. Amen. There's always, if you go one minute too long is always worse than going 20 minutes too early. Amen. Now here, here is what we see. Paul is wrapping up. Paul is wrapping up his letter. Uh, we know that he is in, in, in a Roman prison. Uh, he is, he has learned and heard if, if this is your first time with us, uh, on the Wednesday night Bible study, we've been covering the, the book of Colossians. Uh, it is a letter sent to the church at Colossae, uh, in, 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 in reference to some of the, the, the doctrinal messes that were going on, the false teachers that, uh, was in that day. And I'm not going to go into all of the, the false theology. You can go back and, and listen to them so we can save some time. But Paul has addressed these things and, and he has dealt with it uh, over and over. Paul has dealt with one problem after another, after another, after another. And now we see he has finished up the letter and he's, he's really sending greetings, salutations. He's sending uh, 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 a greeting back to the church and kind of sharing, sharing who is with him. And who has been helping him? And, and you're going to, these, some of these names, some of these names. How many of you, before we got into Colossians, how many of you uh, uh, have never, ever heard uh, Tychicus before? Okay. How about Aristarchus? All right. Uh, maybe Onesimus. Never, never heard of Onesimus. Okay. You see, these are, these are people that you've probably never heard of. And, and really, if we hadn't covered Colossians, you may never have heard of. But they were very, very significant and very important to the Apostle Paul. And so let's just do this. Let's, let's go through our notes tonight. If you've got your notes, open up your notes and, and let's start with number one. First, we see, number one, we see men who relayed. Write that word down, relayed. Men who relayed. Verse number seven. We have two men in this particular point. Uh, Tychicus is the first one. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. All right. If, if you've got that map, do we have the map, Brother Chris? If you can put that map up here. Um, we are looking right here. How many of y'all see the red dot? Say amen if you do. I, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can uh, uh, at Fairview, but right in the middle is Ephesus. Okay. This is where Paul runs in to Tychicus. And, and most of the ones you see, not most, but some of the ones you see, this is where they meet Paul. Now, keep in mind, Paul has never been to Colossae, okay? He's never been to Colossae. He hears about it. He hears about it from another gentleman that we're going to look at in this list. And he is addressing it and sending. So he's writing a letter to people he's never seen before. He's never been to the church. Uh, Colossae's right over here. How many of y'all see that right there? Say amen. Amen. Then you have Hierapolis and Laodicea right here. Uh, These three are connected and most likely were started by the same man. Most likely started by the same man, the same man 
who comes to Paul in Rome and tells him what's going on with the false teachers. And so Paul was serving here in Ephesus. Paul planted the church here in Ephesus. He's ministering in Ephesus. And the people he meets are one to Christ and go back, go back to Colossae and plant a church, Laodicea and plant a church and Hierapolis and plant a church. Okay. This is where, this is where Paul meets Tychicus. Okay. Now he met him on his third missionary journey. And you find this in Acts 20 verse four. He went with Paul to take the love offering from the Gentile churches back to Jerusalem for aid during the famine. Now, if y'all remember when we went through the book of Acts, most of y'all here, we went through the book of Acts on Wednesday nights and we learned about, about the famine that took place and Paul was going to the Gentile churches. Paul was traveling through the Gentile churches and receiving love offerings from them to take back to the church in Jerusalem to help the poor Christians in Judea. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Not only, not only did he take those offerings back to kind of, to kind of show the goodwill from the Gentile churches. Cause you can, you can imagine, Oh, what you do with my, my map. All right. All of the Gentile churches that are, are, are found out here are primarily Gentile. And back here's Judea, back here's Judea, which is primarily a Jewish church, right? And so he was wanting to connect them and show the goodwill uh, and, and what a blessing that God has by building and starting and receiving all of the Gentile believers. And so not only was he bringing an offering to support and help the poor there in Judea, but he was bringing representatives from some of those Gentile churches to introduce them and connect them with the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. If, if that makes sense, say amen. Now, why was that important? If you'll remember, if you'll remember in the book of Acts, when they first began to plant churches and they first went out of Jerusalem, it was very difficult for those Jews to receive First the Samaritans and then the Gentiles. How many of y'all remember that? It was a difficult thing. It took a, a miracle from God with the apostle Peter and, and, and it even, it, it even caused a stir. It was some of the, some of the things that Paul had to deal with. There were Judaizers that were following him, following him all over, all over everywhere he went and trying to mix, trying to mix Christianity and Judaism. And, and so that was something that Paul had to deal with. So he's trying to bring the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers together in harmony and show them, hey, this look, they're legit. This is real, man. They've got the touch of God on them and God has saved them. Look at their generosity. Look at the blessing. They're trying to love you and help you. They've got the gifts of, of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Look what's happening here. Well, Tychicus was one of the ones that left and followed and went with Paul back to Jerusalem to help him carry those love offerings and also be a representative of the Gentile churches there. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Okay, uh, now that's not in your notes, but it was too much to type. So I'm just telling you, okay? He had been with Paul about the time of the writing, about the time of the writing of, of this letter. He had been with Paul for about four years. <clears throat> and he was so significant to Paul that and, and trusted by Paul that when it came time to fill in at the church in Crete and fill in for Titus, he sent him to fill in for Titus. He trusted him so much that when he wanted to see uh, Timothy at the end of his ministry, how many of y'all remember in second Timothy, Paul was dying, you know, he's, he's fixing to be executed and he wanted to see Timothy bad. So he sent the letter to Timothy and he said, listen, come to me. Well, Timothy couldn't leave. He had too many responsibilities there at Ephesus and couldn't leave without a replacement. So Tychicus was sent by Paul to Ephesus so that Timothy could come see him before Paul was executed. That's how much, and that's how well thought of Tychicus was to Paul. And the more I studied it, the more I read and the more I researched with, with this man, he was probably one of the most devoted people and one of the most committed people and beloved people to the apostle Paul in all of the new Testament It is amazing how much he ministered and helped and comforted the apostle Paul. All right. So we see his history. We see his history. Then we see his description. Look what Paul says about him. Look how Paul describes him. He says in verse number seven, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a 
Okay. Verse seven, verse seven. Let's get back to the Bible. Here we go. Who is a beloved brother? Now this is coming from the apostle Paul. I mean, this is a significant statement. He's saying, man, I love this guy. This guy means the world to me. He's, he's, he's my brother. And I believe the way this statement reads, I don't believe it's just talking about a Christian brother. I believe, you know, there are some people that's close to you like a, amen. And so we see a beloved brother, not only that, but a, come on, everybody, a faithful minister, a faithful minister. And by the way, the greatest ability you could ever have is dependability. God never required or never, never expected us to be successful, but he does require us to be faithful. It is required in a steward that a man be found. And Paul says, Tychicus was a faithful minister. In other words, he lived what he preached. His walk matched his talk. Amen. We see a fellow minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, fellow servant in the Lord. And the word there means slave. Paul says he was a slave of Christ, just like I am. He's a follower. He's a believer. He's committed. He's sold out. He's all in. When you call yourself a slave of Christ, you're all in. Say amen. Amen. Now, now let's, let's keep on his assignment. We see his description. Paul is really just blowing him up. I'm telling you, just could not say enough good things about him. But this is his assignment. This is what Paul was needing him to do. He is to deliver the letter to the Colossians, the letter to the Ephesians, and also Philemon. Philemon is a single letter written to uh, a leader in Colossae. Uh, and we'll talk about him in just a second. Uh, but he is to deliver those three letters. Now think about this. Think about this. Paul trusted this man so much, so much that he entrusted three inspired letters to be sent by him to be delivered. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, Tychicus did not go to the municipal airport in Rome. You you understand? He was going to have to travel on foot. He was going to have to travel by sea. He was going to have to go through very difficult terrain, very treacherous places. It was going to take, listen, a long time. This was a very, very difficult endeavor. But Paul trusted him and he believed in him. And you say, I wonder why that is. Well, you got to you got to think he's been with Paul throughout the time he was arrested. You remember when Paul got to Jerusalem, he was arrested right away, was lied about, kept in uh, in jail uh, uh, there in Caesarea. And y'all remember this when we went through the book of Acts. Uh, and, and throughout all the difficulty, I believe, I believe personally he was with him even in the shipwreck and all that, that, that Paul went through, he never left Paul's side. That's, that's a friend we can travel with. Amen. Now look, let's look at the next one. He says, not only am I going to send Tychicus, he's going to let you know all about my situation and what's going on with me. But then he says this, he says, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Verse nine with Onesimus, say that with me with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Now, if you never opened your Bible, if you never opened your Bible and looked anywhere else, and just read right there, you'd think he was a Sunday school child who grew up, uh, you know, Johnny be good. But guess what? Onesimus was a runaway slave. Onesimus was a runaway slave from the house of Philemon, who was a leader in the church in Colossae. Well, when he ran, most likely he stole from Philemon So he's a runaway slave that's a thief who's on the run, who happens to run into the Apostle Paul in Rome. Well, when he finds the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he's going to do with everybody that runs into the Apostle Paul, he shared the gospel with him. 
And guess what? The gospel can change anybody. And as Paul shared, well, I feel a little God right there. That's good. Amen. Paul shares the gospel with him. And look how Paul describes this runaway thieving slave. He said he's a beloved brother. And now you remember the letters to Colossae. Everybody at Colossae knew him as a runaway thieving slave. And Paul says, hey, he's one of you guys. What made him one of you guys? The Lord Jesus. Man, Onesimus is a great picture of the power of God to restore somebody. Now, let's look at this. Onesimus. Onesimus. Matter of fact, by the way, guys, the letter Philemon in your Bible, the letter Philemon is to Philemon. Paul is writing a letter to Philemon in order to get him to take back Onesimus, forgive him, restore him, and watch this, and receive him as a brother. That's the whole letter of Philemon. That's why, that's what that is all about. Now, the reason that Paul wrote Philemon is for that purpose. He has, he has uh, led Onesimus to the Lord. Onesimus has showed himself faithful. He has served Paul, served God, served Christ. He has shown himself to be a beloved brother. And, and matter of fact, Paul's so serious about this thing that he said, he, he put in the letter, whatever he owes, put it on my account. Put it on my, I'll take care of it. That's how serious Paul was about this deal. Now, we see his description. We see his description. Faithful and beloved, who is one of you? He was now a member of their assembly. He might have been a slave in the culture of that day, but not in the family of God. Because in Christ, he is neither bond nor free. Listen, that's in Galatians 3.28. Onesimus shows the power of God to transform a life. Now, let me, let me tell you something. What do I see out of that? This is what I love about this. That when them doors open right there, when them doors open right there, uh, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your 401k says. It doesn't matter what your rap sheet is. It doesn't matter who your pappy was or your granny was. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. When you walk in here and you are a child of God, you are your brother and sister sitting at the same table with equal rights, equal privilege. Listen, equal love from the father. Somebody say amen. He is writing this letter and saying he is one of you. Don't look at him as a slave. Don't look at him as a thief. Don't look at him as a runaway. Look at him as a brother that's come home. Amen. Now, now some of you may not appreciate that, but if you have a past, you can appreciate that. Oh, yes. Listen, his assignment, his assignment. Think about this. How much has Onesimus showed himself faithful, faithful enough that he is supposed to help Tychicus deliver the letters and information about Paul. How about that? They're partners. Tychicus, who has showed himself faithful, who has been through the fire. He has been through the flood. He has been through the shipwreck. He has been through all of that. But yet here we have a runaway thieving slave who God has restored and God has redeemed and brought them back together. And now they're working as partners to deliver the word of God to people who need it. Say amen. These are men who relayed. Say that with me. These are men who they relayed the truth. They relayed the scriptures. Not only that, they relayed the information, the condition of the apostle Paul. Paul wanted them to know how he was, where he was, what was going on with his life. That was their job. That was their responsibility to carry the scriptures. You remember Colossians, Ephesians, and uh, Philemon. Say that with me. So they have these letters, the, what we call, what we call the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians and the book of Philemon. These are the letters from Paul. They are carrying these to be delivered. So does everybody know who these two cats are right now? Everybody? All right. Let's keep on. Let's keep on. Number two. Number one. What was number one? Let's review. Number one. We see men who 
Then number two, look at this. Men who stayed. Men who stayed. This is really good. We have three, <clears throat> we have three who are Jewish and three who are Gentile. First, we have Aristarchus. Aristarchus. And really, he may, he may have been closer to the Apostle Paul than Tychicus was. Aristarchus met Paul in Ephesus. How many of y'all remember when we were, we were studying? And by the way, he was from Thessalonica. Let me get my map up here. Thessalonica. That's way over here. This is where he's from. But he met Paul in Ephesus. How many of y'all remember when Paul was in Ephesus and in and, and the coppersmith and they all got upset because people were getting saved and wasn't buying their, their statues anymore and they caused a riot? How many of y'all remember that? Well, Aristarchus was one that got caught up in that riot. They recognized him for hanging out with Paul, being with Paul, and they grabbed him and, and, and uh, uh, my mind just went blank. Another gentleman, not Paul, Paul escaped. Paul was wanting to go in, but the leaders there talked him out of it. But they brought him into the arena and they, they were crying, you know, uh, great is the goddess of, 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 of Ephesus, you know, uh, Athena. All of these, all of these crying out and, and, and then the, the, the city clerk had to come in and calm them all down where he was that one. He was the one caught up in that particular riot. All right. He was seized then like Tychicus. He stayed with Paul on his return to Jerusalem all the way to his imprisonment in Rome. So from the time, from the time that Paul uh, uh, came back, came back to Judea and was arrested there and spent the time in incarceration in Caesarea and then sent to Rome through the shipwreck and everything that we've read about. He was with Paul. He was with Paul. Let's read what it says about him. Verse 10, verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow, what? Come on, everybody. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner saluteth you. All right. Now, not a whole lot can be said about him, but enough is said about him that we can appreciate him. Everywhere Paul went, he stayed with him. He stayed with him. Where is Paul presently? Prison. What, what does he call him? His fellow prisoner. Not because, not because he was incarcerated, but because he was with one that was incarcerated. What I'm trying to say is this man loved Paul so much and was committed to Paul so much that whatever Paul's life was, he made his life. If Paul was incarcerated, he would be incarcerated. If Paul was free, he would be free. He stayed with Paul to serve him, to comfort him, to help him, to bless him, to minister to him, to serve him. No matter what, he stuck it out with Paul. I don't know about y'all, but every man of God needs somebody to stick it out with him. The ministry has ups and downs. Man, if you go through the book of Acts and you'll see the different things that happened to the apostle Paul, man, there's some exciting things. There is great things. There is, there's revival that takes place. There are people that get saved, but just like that, there are low places too. There are places where he is stoned and left for dead. There are places where he is beaten with rods. There's places where he is in prison and stripes put on his back. There are places where he's in shipwreck. And listen, after the shipwreck, he's trying to build a fire to help warm the people, just trying to serve the people. And a snake comes out of the fire and bites him. And the same people he's trying to serve and build a fire to warm up, they start calling him a devil. He's a devil. He's a devil. He's a devil. And then, oh yeah, oh yeah, the the storm was going to get him, but he escaped. But God made sure the snake came because he's really evil. And then he shook the snake off and it was a poisonous snake and found no harm. And you know what they said? He's a God. He's a God. He's a God. Don't listen to people. Listen, don't listen to people's criticism. And whatever you do, don't listen to people's praise. Because the same people that are criticized, they'll praise. And the same people that are praised will next day criticize. Don't worry about what people say. 
Stick with those people that you've never heard of. That's with you in the fire. And with you in the storm. And will stick with you in the prison. Well, we ain't never heard of him. Yeah, but Paul did. They may not have their name in the marquee lights. But I guarantee you, if you ask Paul, it meant the world to Paul. You know why? We don't really. I, 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 my imagination gets me in trouble sometimes because I, 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 it kind of runs wild with me. And I, I, but you, you, really, you really can't see in here a lot that he's done because it don't say anything. But the greatest thing that is said about him is he didn't leave Paul. He stuck it out. No matter how bad it got with Paul, he stayed in it with him. I'm telling you, your friend is the one who walks in when everybody else walks out. And by the way, there's somebody that walks out on this list. So, so don't think everybody on Paul's list stays with him. At one point, at one point, he said, they've all forsaken me. But thank God for the ones that stick in there. Amen. Amen. All right. Aristarchus. Aristarchus. He's a Jewish believer from Thessalonica who stuck it out with Paul. All right. B. B. These are men who stayed. B. We have John Mark. It says, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. Now, I've read that. I can't tell you how many times. And the way I read it, Mark which is John Mark, uh, uh, is his nephew, but every commentary I read said he's his cousin. So if you want to be, if you want him to be his nephew or his cousin, let's just leave it at this. They were related. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? Now let's talk about him just a minute. Let's talk about him just a minute. The first time we really hear about John Mark. Okay. Uh, he is related <laughs> I keep wanting to say his nephew because it sounds like nephew to me, but commentary say cousin, but either way, he's related. Okay. He's related to Barnabas. First time we see Barnabas, we see him and Paul teaming up to go on their first missionary journey. How many of y'all remember that? In the book of Acts, they team up there in Antioch. God calls them and, and sends them out. Uh, and so here we have, here we have Paul, we have Barnabas and John Mark. They take off, man. This is great. This is exciting. First missionaries are called out, commissioned from the church, and they're going to serve. They're going, uh, and, and, and just like always, just like always in ministry. How many of y'all have ever noticed, how many of y'all have ever noticed that anything new is exciting? Come on now. Don't, y'all, y'all wake up. Y'all, y'all, y'all ate too much cheeseburgers or something like that. Come on. How many of y'all know when it comes to ministry, anything new is exciting? Man, we can announce a new ministry and everybody in the world sign up. Let's, let's get out. And then how many of y'all know ministry turns into work? How many of y'all know ministry turns into difficulty? It's amazing. We, we have DMD and I've, I've challenged preachers from all over the country. And everybody likes what, what DMD does till they do it. And DMD is all exciting and it's great in the beginning, but then people start falling by the wayside because it's work and it's challenging and Satan will fight it. I I don't think, honestly, I don't, I don't know of any other ministry we've ever done in this church that Satan has tried to fight as much as disciples making disciples. I don't know of one. So, If you're in ministry and you're getting the devil beat out of you, be of good cheer. That means you're in the right way. But with that, it started getting dangerous and it started getting difficult. And John Mark, I think was a little immature at the time. And he bailed on him. He bailed on Barnabas and Paul. Now I've heard, I've heard and read speculation that maybe he didn't like the idea of reaching uh, Gentiles. I don't believe that, but some have speculated that. Some have said he just was homesick, missed home, wanted to go back to mama. Now that's a possibility. Uh, But whatever reason, whatever reason, he bailed on him. 
And he left and went back home, went back to Jerusalem. Now, thank God, thank God that the, the apostle Peter was there because I believe he spent some time with Peter and I can give you verses for that later on where, where Peter, I believe, really mentored him and helped him develop and grow and mature. Well, make a long story short, make a long story short, uh, on the second missionary journey, <clears throat> on the second missionary journey, uh, Paul said, hey, Barnabas, why don't we go check out all those churches we started and see how they're doing? Barnabas says, man, that's a good idea. I think that's a great idea. Let's go do that. And, 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 and Paul said, well, let's get ready. And, and Barnabas tells old Paul, he says, Paul, I'm going to let John Mark know so he can go with us. And Paul says, I don't think so. Now we done gone that route. Now we done tried that one time. No, sir, he's not going. Barnabas said, yeah, he's going. He's, he's done better. I, I think it'd be good for him to go and, and nah, 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 back and forth. It was so sharp according to scripture. It was such a disagreement that they had to part ways. It was that big a deal. Paul refused. And, you know, we could say Paul, Paul knew. I mean, what kind of, what kind of person is it going to take for ministry? Well, according to Jesus, it's one who would deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. The person who's going to be in ministry has to be the one who will not turn around and look back after he's put his hand to the plow. So Paul was right in a sense, but maybe Paul might have been a little rough on a young lad. And we know that Barnabas is the son of consolation and encouragement. And thank God for his encouragement. Thank God for the mentoring of, of the apostle Peter. Well, by now in this letter to Colossae, by now, uh, John Mark has been restored. He's been, he's shown himself faithful. He showed that, hey, he can do this stuff. And, and Paul is saying he's profitable because we see it again in 2 Timothy. He said, you know, tell John Mark he's, or bring him with you because he's profitable to me for the ministry. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. So here we got a guy who, who bailed on him but has been restored. He was a, relate, a, a relative of Barnabas. <clears throat> And by the time Colossians was written, he had been restored and most likely helped by the mentoring of Peter back in Jerusalem. In 2 Timothy, Paul said he was profitable to him for ministry. Mark, now watch this. Mark had the privilege to be able to write one of the gospels. Matthew, that's him. That's him. You mean to tell me somebody bailed on Paul, got to write a gospel? Yep, that's what I'm telling you. So let me tell you something. If you've ever bailed, just come back. God can restore. God can restore. I'm glad God's not as hard on us as we are on each other sometimes. And I'm putting Paul in there. Paul was, you know, I think, you know, anyway, no matter what I think. Let's go. Aristarchus stayed. John Mark, he is, he's committed now. He's in the deal. He is, he is commended by the apostle Paul. Now watch how, watch what Paul says about it. He said, Mark is sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments. If he come unto you, what's that word? Receive. Say it again. Receive. Say everybody. Receive. Receive him. Don't worry about his past discretions. If he comes to you and he tries to encourage you, tries to teach you what? Receive, Receive him. Amen. Now, now let's look at uh, the next one. And Jesus, which is called justice. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. Joshua. All right. Uh, and, and Joshua means savior. That's what it means. Savior. Uh, justice. Justice means righteous. Now that's a, that's a. That's a tough title to live up to. Amen. And there's not really, there's not a whole lot said about this man besides the fact that he was a Jew of of the circumcision and that he was a fellow worker in the kingdom of God with Paul. Uh, He is a Jewish believer who served with Paul. Now we know nothing. Say that with me. We know Nothing. nothing about it. The name Jesus was a popular Jewish name and it was not unusual for Jewish people to have a Roman name as well. Justice 
as John Mark. John Mark was the same way. So you have Jesus Justice and John Mark. Jesus Justice presents or represents those faithful believers who serve God, but whose deeds are not announced for the whole world to know. He was a fellow worker with Paul and a comfort to Paul. And that is all we know about him. However, read it with me. However, the Lord has kept a faithful. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, everybody, everybody don't see those precious, precious dear souls that are on the other side of them walls that are changing diapers while y'all are sitting in peace and harmony in Bible study. Are y'all with me? But guess what? They are very, very important. Very, very important. Now, sometimes, and I'm I'm sorry for this, but we don't recognize them enough and we need to. We find the Apostle Paul. Is that clock right? 18 minutes. Did y'all shave some? That's a little shady. All right. Here, 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 let me get, let me get back. Let me get back. Cause we need to, we need, Paul put this here. I believe everything in the Bible is anointed. Say amen. amen. There's a reason that you don't know a lot about him, but yet he's still mentioned. Sometimes I'm telling you, sometimes when we feel like we're unimportant, when we feel like there are nobody that cares or there's nobody watching or nobody sees what we're trying to do for God, never, ever fear. Because God is always watching. Always watching. All right? Church, say amen. Amen. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Got a whole other page to go. Okay. Now we run into, now we run into, uh, uh, oh, Luke. Oh, Luke. We're going to skip Epaphras. We're going to come back to him. I'm not going to bail on him. We're going to come back to him. I just want to get Luke. All right? Luke, the beloved physician, Luke, the beloved physician. This is Paul's personal physician. When Paul was on, when Paul was, and he doesn't join Paul to the second missionary journey. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Troas. He means Paul, but Paul had some illnesses in his first missionary journey. All right. Uh, he had to deal with illnesses there and, and, uh, uh, Luke met up with him. And helped him and was his personal physician and stayed with him. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile, yet he was chosen by God to write the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So what two books did he write? The gospel of Luke and the book of the book of Acts. He is probably the only Gentile writer of any book of the Bible. He was also a physician and was dearly loved by Paul. He joined Paul in his second missionary journey. Luke traveled with Paul to Jerusalem and was with him on the voyage to Rome. Now think about this. How many of y'all have ever read about Paul being on that voyage and thinking he's all by himself? Now we've done identified three, maybe four people who was with Paul through that whole situation. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Paul didn't do everything he did on his own. Everybody needs somebody. Amen. All right. Here we find... Not only did he join him on his voyage to Rome, but Luke remained with Paul to the very, very end. God used Luke to write the book of Acts and give us the inspired history of the early church and the ministry of Paul. Luke is a glowing example of the professional man who uses his skill in the service of the Lord and gives himself to go wherever God sends. He is a beloved. He was a beloved Christian a skillful physician, a devoted friend, and a careful historian, all wrapped up into one. I I read, I read several commentaries. One said that, you know, Luke could have been a very, very wealthy man, a very wealthy man, but he, he chose to use his skills to be a blessing to God's man and to use it in the work of the Lord. Now, what, what do we learn from this? You don't have to be, you don't have to go to seminary to be used by God. You can use whatever you are and whatever you do to be used greatly by the Lord. There's no way Paul could do what he did without Luke. There's no way Paul could be as successful as he was without Luke. And Luke was there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 
the, 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 the conversations that the apostle Paul had with the physician, well, highly educated Luke, the physician, amazing. And instead of, instead of committing to money, he was committing to the work of the Lord and stood by Paul every step of the way. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now that's Luke. That's Luke. Now we can go back. Now, now we can go back to Epaphras. Okay. What was number one? Tell me number one real quick, real quick. Hurry up. Clock's ticking. Number one, the men, the men that relate. Number two, the men that stayed. Now look at the man who prayed. Look at the man who prayed. Verse 12. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you. Now remember, who's this letter to? Colossi, the Colossians at Colossi, the, the, the congregation there, he's saying Paphras is one of you guys. He's one of your members. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Y'all see that? Okay. Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Many believe, many believe that Epaphras not only started the church in Colossae, but was also instrumental in starting the church in Hierapolis. Matt. All right. Uh, uh, right here's Colossae. He met, Epaphras met. Paul here. Okay. All right. Was encouraged by Paul here, goes back to Colossae, starts the church, goes to Hierapolis and Laodicea. Believes that all three of those churches was planted by this man. Okay. All right. Now let's, let's talk about his history a little bit. We met Epaphras and, and, and if you'll go to the very first pages of notes that you had at the very beginning, man, I hope y'all keep these because you, you got, you, you can have a ton of the Bible page by page by page if you, you keep this in order. But I went into detail explaining these guys and who they were. We met them at the beginning of the study. He was the man who founded the church at Colossae. He had been led to Christ through Paul's ministry in Ephesus and had returned home to share the good news of salvation. And it seems likely, like I said, that he was also, either he founded it or helped found the churches in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Then we see his prayer, not only his history, but his prayer. Look what Paul says about him. Paul's bragging about him. He said, let me tell you about old, old, old Epap. He says, he is always, always, say that word with me. He always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Now see, Epaphras was the one at the church at Colossae who came to Paul in Rome and ratted on all the false teachers. He was the one that was responsible for letting Paul know he came from Colossae and said, let me tell you what's going on. We got people teaching this, 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 and this. And uh, I need some help. What do we do? So Paul sits down and he writes Colossians and addresses all of the error, all of the false doctrine that Epaphras has let him know about and writes it out and sends it back. If that makes sense, amen. amen. Epaphras, while this, now keep in mind, Epaphras is staying with Paul. So Paul is telling, said, let me tell you what I've noticed about, about this man. He is a prayer warrior. Now, now there's one thing about you saying somebody can pray. But when the man who got to go to heaven and come back, the man who's instrumental in writing most of the New Testament, the man who started in many churches of the Apostle Paul, when he brags on how you can pray, this brother can pray. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. How does, how does he describe him? He said he prays constantly, constantly, always, always right there in that verse 12. So you saluted you always laboring fervently for you in prayers. He not only prays constantly, he prays fervently. He prays fervently, laboring fervently. And the word means to agonize, to agonize. Preacher, what are you saying? I, I typed in there. He prayed like it was his job. I mean, he agonized over them. He was concerned about them. 
He cared about Hierapolis. He cared about Colossae. He cared about Laodicea. He cared that they were false teachers. He cared that false doctrine was being taught. He cared that they were sheep or wolves in sheep's clothing. And not only did he go to get help, not only did he go meet somebody who could help him, he's praying the whole time that God would touch and help him. Say amen. amen. Everybody needs somebody who will pray. We see he prayed personally. Now, Paul in the letter is writing to the church members at Colossae. And boy, I'm going to tell you, this would be a great compliment to me. If you had an evangelist, write a letter to y'all and say, man, y'all should, y'all should see how your preacher prays for you guys. That's what he's saying. He's saying, this man cares about you. He's praying for you. Not only that, not only that, but look what he says in verse 13. For I bear him record. He said, I just wanted to go down on record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Look here. His great desire, Epaphras, his great desire was that the believers in those three assemblies might mature in their Christian faith. Paul used four significant words to summarize the prayer of Epaphras. And these four words also summarize the message of the book of Colossians. Perfect, perfect means mature, complete. Say that with me. Perfect means mature or complete, complete, all and will. These four words are found throughout this letter. Epaphras was concerned that these Christians know and do the will of God, but he wanted them to be involved in all the will of God, not just in part of it. All right. Number four, let's hurry. Number four. All right. Let's review. Number one, we see the men who relayed. Number two, the men who stayed. They committed. They stayed with Paul through thick and thin. Number three, the man who prayed. prayed. Number four, the man who strayed. The man who strayed. Verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician and who? Demas. Demas. Now keep in mind, how many of y'all remember earlier in this, this lesson We talked about another man that strayed. John Mark, right? John Mark bailed on him. But he was restored. He saw the error of his ways and 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 was encouraged and most likely mentored by the Apostle Peter and and was restored and now he's profitable for ministry, but that can't be said about Demas. Demas is mentioned only three times in Paul's letters. And these three references tell a sad story. First, he is called Demas, my fellow laborer. Demas, my fellow laborer. Now that's pretty cool. He's linked with three other good men, Mark, Aristarchus, and Luke. Then he's simply called Demas. There is no special word of identification or commendation. And then we see in 2 Timothy 4.10. But the third reference tells us what became of Demas. Paul told Timothy, he said, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. At one point in his life, John Mark had forsaken Paul, but he was reclaimed and restored. Demas forsook Paul and apparently was never reclaimed. His sin was that he loved this present world, the world would refer to the whole system of things that runs this world, the society, the culture without God. How easy it is to maintain a religious veneer while all the time we are living for the things of the world. Demas thought that he could serve two masters, but he, he had to make a decision. And unfortunately, it was the wrong one. You know, it kind of reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of Lot. You know, Abraham took Lot to Egypt and God corrected him and got him out of there. And even though Abraham took Lot out of Egypt, he could never get Egypt out of Lot. Say, preacher, what are you saying? Egypt represented the world. It represented wickedness, sin. And the Bible says that Lot chose 
the dirt. You remember, you remember they, they, their, their herds had gotten so big and they were starting to squabble. And so Abraham said, you pick a direction and I'll go the opposite. Whatever you pick, I'll go the opposite. And the Bible said he looked at the well watered plains, you know, toward where Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what the Bible says? It reminded him. It reminded him of what he saw in Egypt. Preacher, what are you saying? Hanging around godly people don't make you godly. And going to church, going to, listen, there's, there's people, there's people every Sunday that you're going to sit beside. Listen, the, the outside can trick you. Never judge a book by its cover, good or bad. I've unfortunately judged people by what I thought was bad and they's a better Christian than I was. And then I've judged people thinking, boy, they've got it all together and they look Johnny B. Good and uh, high and tight and look sharp and heathens. And Demas just, just couldn't get the taste of the world out of his mouth. And he said he forsook him and left. In ministry, there's going to be people that stay. Hell or high water. Good and the bad. But I'm afraid in ministry there's also going to be people that walk away. And if they do, just keep walking on. And all God's people say it. Let's finish up the letter. Three minutes. Three minutes. He finishes up with a salutation closing remarks in verse 15. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. Most of the churches in, in the New Testament were in people's houses. Uh, you, you, didn't really, you didn't really see official church buildings really till after uh, Constantine made it legal for churches and made it easy to have church. Uh, most of the time it was in people's houses. All throughout the, the New Testament, the early church in the book of Acts, most of it was in people's houses. And when this epistle is read among you, talking about the, the letter of Colossae or Colossians, when it's read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans. He said, they need to hear this too. And that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Now, who is this guy? I, I showed you and I gave you some information about him in the beginning of the letter. But I want you to see this. He's encouraging him. When we compare Colossians 4.17 and Philemon 2. We get the impression that Archippus belonged to the family of Philemon. Possibly, possibly he was Philemon's son and the pastor of the church that met in Philemon's house. We cannot prove this, of course, but it does seem like a logical conclusion. Paul's last words before his salutation are directed at Archippus as an encouragement to continue faithfully in his ministry. Verse 17, take heed to the ministry which thou hast what? Received in the Lord. Guess what? If you have one, the Lord gave it to you. If you don't have one, don't blame nobody. Don't blame nobody. You say, why are you saying that? I've had people mad at me because I didn't involve them in certain areas, didn't let them preach or didn't whatever it might be. Uh, and, and blame me and says, you're not giving me an opportunity. And you know what I said? I never gave me an opportunity. Not one single time did I ever ask somebody, can I preach? Not one single time in all of the ministry. Pray preacher, where well, you preach everywhere. That's right. God opens doors. And let me tell you, if God opens a door, nobody can shut it. And if God don't open a door, you don't want to go through it. Amen. And so don't blame anybody if you're not in ministry or don't blame anybody. If your ministry is not going like you think it ought to go, it's it rises and falls on the Lord. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's a whole nother sermon, but I, I, I might need to do later. But the salutation by the hand of me, Paul, he said, remember my bonds. Grace be with you and all God's people say it.
Amen. You know what? Uh, when he says, remember my bonds, man, I can't help but think that just tells me as much as I like to put Paul on this huge pedestal because he, you know, he's incredible. He's still human. And as much as he had the ability to take life as it came, you remember how he said, he said, he said, uh, uh, I, I've learned to have be without and I've learned to be full. I've learned to be content in whatever state I am. And so I, sometimes in, in your mind, you think he's a robot. He don't feel anything. He has no pain. He's super spiritual. He's all of that. But right in the end, he said, Hey guys, remember my bonds. He didn't want to be in that prison. And he's praying that God will do something. He wasn't complaining, but he was showing he was still human. And all God's people see it. 